So reading from Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 61. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid to waste. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness from the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can be seated. Welcome. Uh, it's really good to be with you in our third week of Advent. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here and get to open scripture with you today. Um, Advent is a word that simply means the arrival, and it is pointing towards a season um, in our calendar, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, that we immerse ourselves into the story of Jesus, into the story of the Son of God taking on flesh and coming and dwelling with God's people. It's a beautiful story, and uh, we're, we're getting close, as Connor said, two weeks to the day to Christmas. Um, and it's also a season that's, that's a little bit full. Our calendars fill up quite a bit. I know for my family tonight will be the fourth kind of Christmas party slash event in a row, four nights in a row. We're loving it. It's great. Um, but it's also a season that, 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 as I said, we immerse ourselves into this story and, and we become both recipients of the good news of this story. That, that we get to hear it, even if we've heard it before, even if we've heard it many times, we still get to be the recipients of this amazing story that God so loved you and me in this world, that he took on flesh and came to dwell with us. We get to receive this story. We also get to be people who echo this story to the world around us that we live into the Advent story, that we become signposts of this King who has come to us. And we do this with our whole lives. We do this with our relationships, with our words. We do this through generosity. Um, we do this through, through how we live. And, and one of the ways that we're living into this as a community right now is through something called Advent Projects. Um, these are, are, are opportunities for us to live into this message of Advent that God has come and he has brought healing presence with him. And we get to echo that message to our neighbors right here in our city. Um, we, we uh, this Advent season, have taken on two Advent partnerships um, that we are, are, are collecting kits for to give to our neighbors. Um, one of these Advent partners is called Project 48. 
and they work with uh, people in the foster, young people in the foster system, system right here in our, our city. And they are collecting kits for them right now um, to be given out at this Christmas season. And I got to do this with my daughters uh, this last week. We, we went to the store and, and we're putting together these kits. And, and as I look through the list, it's mostly really practical things that, that young people need. Some clothing, some, some essential goods, and then there's some fun stuff because it's, it's also Christmas. And so we got to put these kits together and, and know that they are going to be given to neighbors here in our city. Um, we're collecting these kits for Project 48 until this Wednesday, um, and then they'll be collecting them so they can get them out by Christmas. The other partnership uh, that we have is with an organization called Refugee Care Collective. Uh, they, for a long season, have worked with refugees who are new neighbors to us here in our city, and they collect goods, kits for them, that help the transition into a new city and a new place. Um, and so they, they reached out this year. It was somewhat of a unique opportunity. Um, we've had a, a pretty long-standing partnership with them and have, have worked with them in the past. And usually their communications to me are something like, hey, here's some opportunities. Here's what we're doing um, in this year. But uh, this specific year, they reached out with a pretty specific need, saying, hey, we, we are actually in need of these kits as Ukrainian refugees are coming into our city. And so we, we want to put those opportunities out there for us. This is something we can do as individuals, as a family, with our triad. Uh, this is something you can do with people in your neighborhood, even if they don't go to Mosaic or go to church. Uh, but it's, it's a way that we get to live into this Advent message and be a signpost of the arriving King to people right here in our city. If you have questions about those Advent projects, email me, adam at mosaicportland.org, or come by the table at the end of this gathering. Um, hey, we're going we're gonna to open scripture and step into this third week of Advent. But before we do, I, I just want to take a moment to pray over us. Father, as we, uh, as we sit with this story and just the realities of what Advent represents, I pray that you would help us be attentive to your spirit, um, that we would follow you, that we'd be listening to you, that, that ultimately the fruit of opening your word and, and, and being in this place together or online together would result in a greater understanding and revelation of who you are. That we could worship you more wholly. That we could follow you more clearly. So we thank you for this day. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we had a pretty big milestone at the, the Harvey home this, this past week. Uh, this, this past Tuesday, um, my youngest daughter, named Allie, um, turned 17, which we were pretty excited about. She turned 17, and um, as you do with birthdays, you just kind of reflect on someone's life. And so we, we sat around, and we do this awkward thing in a family, and it's awkward for me, it's awkward for them, but we do it anyways. We sit around, and we talk about, like, how much we appreciate them, how much we love them, and, and things that we've seen um, them grow in, in, in the past year. And, and it's, it ends up being this really beautiful thing, even though it stop, starts a little awkward. And, and I was just reflecting on the 17 years we, we have had with Allie. And, and really, the, the beginning of those 17 years started with this simple arrival of a baby. Actually, I brought a, a picture with him. Oh, yes. Isn't she so sweet? This is a very sweet picture. What you don't know is that um, shortly after this picture was taken, I was playing with her hands and trying to tickle her, and I bit her finger so hard. She has forgiven me now, but it was a rough moment. 
With 17 years to go today, the arrival of this person to the Harvey home started this, this entire life, this entire story. The simple arrival of this baby has shaped massive parts of my life and massive parts of my family's life. The arrival, the showing up, the arrival of this presence. We've been in this, this series through Advent called Well, where we are, are, are looking at the ways that God, the God of the universe, has chosen to make his home with his people. And a few weeks back, we looked at the kind of the first iteration of this was, was a tent. It was called the Tent of Meeting. And this was thousands of years ago. God instructed his people, the, the, the nation of Israel, to, to construct this tent, this movable tent. And, and when his presence would descend on it, they would stay there. And when his presence would ascend, they would move on. And, and it was a place of meeting called a tabernacle, this Hebrew word for, for dwelling. And it was where God dwelt with his people. It's where their needs for their frail humanity were met by their perfect and loving God. And then last week we discovered that, that over time Israel developed um, a, a, a physical kingdom and had kings and one of the priorities of the kingship was to go from this, this uh, tent of meeting to an actual temple made of stone. And, and so we, we, we discovered and learned about this temple that, that, that was made to replace the tabernacle, the tent tabernacle, and where, where God made his home. And, and, and again, that the needs of the people could be met and, and they could come and, and have forgiveness for their frailty and their brokenness and their sin. And, and God was present in this place. But we also know of both of those things, they were an imperfect expression. They were imperfect because, because of, of human frailty and brokenness. We saw last week, time and time again, God would woo his people back to him. Come to me, follow me, I want to be with you. I want to be the God who is present with you. And time and time again, his people would, would stray. The temple falls short. And today in this third week of Advent, we're looking at the next expression of God's presence. His full power, his full presence and provision for what you and I need made realized in the person of Jesus, the advent of the king. This expression of who God is becoming a blessing for us and a blessing through us. Week after week, we've looked at these words in, uh, in Genesis chapter 11, where, where this idea of, of God's presence being a blessing for us and through us really initiates and starts. And, and this is before the tabernacle, it's before the temple, it's before the arrival of Jesus. This is a, a, a covenant that is made between God and Abraham and Sarah. That's what it says in, in Genesis 12, starting in verse one. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who, who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. This initial covenant between God and, and this, this couple who will become his people to say, follow me and I will be present with you. I'm gonna bless you with my presence because in my presence is everything that you need. And through this covenant, through me covenanting with you and being present with you and bringing everything you need, all peoples of the world 
of all time will be blessed. It's pointing towards the arrival of the King, of Jesus. God being present fully with us, bringing to us what we cannot provide for ourselves, forgiveness, wholeness, and healing, and then through us bringing that blessing to all people. So a moment ago, I read these words out of Isaiah, and I want to look at them a little bit further. Isaiah is a, is a prophet, is, it's a person who speaks for God, and, and he lived in the time when Israel's kingship was active. There was kings, and, and some of them honored God, some of them did not. And, and some of the theme of the book of Isaiah, some of the theme of his prophecies he brought to the people of Israel was, come, come back to God. You're wayward. Come back to God. He wants to be present with us. He wants to bless you and through you bless all of the world. And so he says this in Isaiah 7, starting in 13. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David, this nation that we've been talking about in the past few weeks, this, the house of David. Is it not enough that you try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Isaiah's is a bit frustrated, and this is a theme for Isaiah. He's, he's, he's kind of a cranky person, but he's frustrated that the people of God over and over again are wayward. He says, listen, you're, you're trying the patience of people. Will you now try the patience of this God who wants to be present with you? And then this revelation that he gives to the people. They're not patient. They're trying God's patience. They're, they're, they're wayward and they're frustrating. And this is how God responds to them. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Therefore, to this wayward people, God responds by saying, this tabernacle is insufficient. This temple, this place where we covenant and meet is insufficient. Therefore, I'm going to give you a son, my son, and his name will be called Emmanuel, which is a word that means God with us. The name of this, this king, the name of my son will be the God who is with you. This is the advent of the king, the arrival of the son of God coming in power not to a people who deserve it, not to a people who have earned it, not to a people who have kept up their end of the covenant and the bargain, but to a people who are in need, to a people who are in deficit. My son will come and his name will be the God who is with you. And this will be his character. This will be his trademark. This will be the kingdom and the authority and the life that he is bringing. In Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Send me, he has sent me uh, has to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and to release from darkness, uh, release from darkness from the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. These were words written centuries before Jesus 
has arrived. And these are words pointing to who he is, to his goodness, and to his character, and what this king, this arriving king, is bringing. And these words in, in Isaiah 61, if you've been around Mosaic this last year, they, they might sound a little familiar. Uh, we've been in a, a teaching series through the book of Luke that we started a little over a year ago. Uh, we've taken a short break from it during this Advent time, and we'll um, be getting back to it in January 8th. But early in the, the book of Luke, we had this amazing story of the, uh, the king who has arrived, Jesus, in a conversation that he has and, and a reading that he does in a synagogue. He's in this place of worship, and this is in Luke chapter 4. He's in this, this synagogue, this place of worship, and um, he is going to read this scroll. And this is what it says, starting in verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus is reading these very words that were written centuries ago about the coming, arriving king that the people are waiting for. So he reads these words, and then in verse 20 it says, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today you understand, you recognize that the king has arrived. The one who was promised, the one you've been waiting for, the one who is going to restore, who is going to do all of these things that the prophet Isaiah said centuries ago, this is being fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is God revealed. It's kind of an amazing thing for us to, to kind of stop, kind of pause and think about. Everything we need to know about the creator of all things. Everything we need to know about God's character, his thoughts towards us. Everything we need to know about this question of, of him loving us, of him wanting to dwell and be present with us. Everything we need to understand about God is made clear in the person of Jesus. That's what Colossians 1 tells us, that, that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. That the king who has arriven, uh, arrived in this character is who God is. Who these people have been waiting for, their king to arrive over centuries, over time, is revealing the heart of God and the nature of God. It's the advent of our king, and it's the arrival of his kingdom. Jesus arrives, and he is bringing his kingdom. Mark 1, 14 says, after John was put into prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The king has arrived. That's what we're celebrating in this season. And with him, he is bringing his kingdom. He is bringing his power. And he's inviting humanity into 
his kingdom, into this covenant kingdom with him, where he has authority to save lives, where he has authority over death. He is the king coming to be with his people, coming to bring healing, coming to bring wholeness. Listen to these words in Ephesians. This is a a, a prayer by Paul. Starting uh, in chapter 1, verse 17, it says, I keep asking that the God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you were called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, into his kingdom, into this original covenant given to Abraham thousands of years ago and to his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. The power is the same mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. The king has arrived and he's brought his kingdom. And his kingdom is powerful. And the trademark of his kingdom is bringing life where there is death and bringing wholeness where there is brokenness. And it tells us in, in 1 Peter that, that those who follow this king, those who follow Jesus, are now citizens of this kingdom. It's amazing for us to think about that, that we're invited into the kingdom of Jesus the kingdom where he is the king. And that this is where we get our identity. Our greatest source of understanding of ourselves, our identity, the core of who we are, beyond what our last name is, beyond what our profession is, beyond what's in our bank account, beyond our timeline, the the things that we've done good, the things that we've done bad, the greatest awareness of ourselves is that we have been invited into this covenant relationship by the King, the very Son of God. And we get to be citizens of his kingdom. This is who we are. We're followers of the King. Jesus has arrived. The advent of the King has happened. The arrival of his kingdom has happened. But it's an unexpected arrival. The way that Jesus arrives, how he shows up, it's it's unexpected. And the time that he showed up, people missed it. And throughout time, people have missed it. Because when we talk about the king arriving, we talk about the kingdom arriving, we, like the people in this book, might be looking for something different. Might be looking for a show of power and authority that looks different than what Jesus brought. Listen to this, this other prophet talk about Jesus. This is in, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And, and he's talking about this king that is going to come. And this is at a point where the kings of Israel have failed and their kingdom has been demolished and overtaken by someone else. And they are a people in utter despair. They're lost. 
They don't see a way forward. They don't see a hope. And they're waiting for a king who will come, but who will arrive with authority and power in the physical realm, who will push out their physical enemies out of their nation and restore them as a people, restore and rebuild their physical temple, who will come with, with military might and, 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 and extend or exert himself as that king. And this is what this, this prophet tells these people who are waiting. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. This prophecy, these words that will come true about Jesus, say that the arrival of the king and the advent of his kingdom is going to arrive by very humble means. And there's a mystery to this story that the Son of God is coming to dwell with his people, but he is coming by lowly, humble means. And he has come with power, and he has come with authority, but how he exerts that is not the typical way that they're looking for. The typical way that's, that's understood about kings having power is that they, they can drive out other kings and lower kingdoms and exert themselves. In fact, even the term Advent, uh, when it's not used to talk about the weeks leading up to Christmas, its most common application is the announcement of royal births. The advent of the prince, and the word goes out through the countryside, the advent of the princess, and it goes out through the countryside because these births are going to affect the citizens of a country. But Jesus arrives, and the way that he displays his authority and power isn't to dominate people, but it's actually to love them. The way that he exerts his power, the way that he exerts his authority is by lifting up the poor and the broken and the needy. This is the trademark of his power in his kingship. This is what Isaiah 61 says, that he's come to bring beauty where there has been ashes, that he's come to bring joy where there has been sorrow and where there has been mourning, and that he's come to lay on a garment of praise for those who are in despair. This beautiful mystery of our king, whose trademark of power and authority is to dwell with us who don't deserve it, to dwell with us who are in desperate need of what only he can provide, to make his home in us, to invite us into his kingdom, to be citizens of his kingdom. I said a moment ago, we're <clears throat> two weeks from Christmas, the day that we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. My invitation for us in this third week of Advent as we, as we sit with this story and we sit with the realities of this story that, that we'd allow ourselves to take in the reality of the King coming to us. The reality that he's brought his kingdom near to us the reality that he has extended an invitation to you and to me to be partners to be citizens covenant with him 
in this kingdom. And where we are experiencing sorrow, despair, what feels like ashes in our lives is invitation to bring those things to the king where he exchanges them for life. In the weeks to come, in all the trappings of the holiday season and the, the busyness and the ups and the downs and the shopping lists and the many calories that we'll consume and all the things that we'll do, that we'll find time to reflect on this story. And that as we do, we'll respond with worship. That we'll respond appropriately to be people who are in awe of our King. That we'll respond and reciprocate love where we have received love. Our, our team's gonna come back up and, and lead us in worship and, and we're going to come to these tables. Um, if you're at home, you can get some elements for communion, but we're gonna come to these tables and, and this is a table that the king has set before us with his own sacrifice. Juice that represents the spilling of his blood, the bread that represents the breaking of his body because in establishing his kingdom, in establishing you and I in his kingdom, Jesus was obedient even to death on a cross. And as we just read in Ephesians that, that it was a power of God, that same power that dwells in you and I that then raised him to life. And this is why he is our king. So I want to invite us to, to, to come to these tables, but to not come uh, casually, to not come because this is simply what we do on Sunday, but to come realizing that this is the table that the king has set for us, provision that he has made for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, for the wholeness of ourselves. Father, we, uh, and we just are in awe. As we celebrate this third week of Advent, um, we're approaching our, our celebration on Christmas Eve of your son coming to us and, and you making your home in us. I pray that, um, that as the next two weeks unfold and, and as we, we go about our lives to school and to work and to the things that busy our schedule, God, that, that your spirit would remind us, would draw us in over and over again into this reality of who you are and into this conversation with you where we can recognize your kingship where we can recognize your kingdom and respond with worship and father we thank you for this day we thank you that your word reveals to us who you are we thank you that you sent us your son to be our king that you sent your son to teach us how to live, to teach us how to love, and to teach us how good you really are. Today our hearts are full of adoration and worship. In your splendor. Father, I pray for those of us who are experiencing despair, who are experiencing ashes, what feels hopeless. God, may we May we experience and know the life from your son, that you would draw beauty from those ashes and joy where there is despair, that we would be the recipients of that prophecy in Isaiah 61, 
of the King that's come to us, Emmanuel, God with us. Father, we worship you as we come to these tables today.